welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and more. In this episode, we talk to Ali Svavik, who has started a new women's tennis league called Wine Down Wednesdays. They play on Wednesday afternoons. It only takes six ladies to field a team each week, so get your girls together and get registered before July 1st, and even get a discount as a Go Tennis member. Have a listen, and let us know what you think. Wine Down Wednesdays is a tennis league for women. And do me a favor, do everybody a favor, tell us who you are and what the heck is this women's tennis league that you're doing? <laughs> yeah, so my name's Allie. I started and run the Wine Down Wednesday Women's Tennis League, which is under our tennis lady umbrella. Um, so you can find us at heytennislady.com or at heytennislady on Facebook and Instagram, H E Y. Um, because just tennislady.com was too expensive to start. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a women's tennis league in Atlanta, three lines of doubles on Wednesday nights for a five-week season. Uh, we do two seasons a year, and we're just about to start our next season on July 26th. So it's in between other uh, women's tennis leagues in the area, in between Alta seasons, USTA seasons. Um, but yeah, we started in 2019 and have been growing season after season ever since. And in that case, Wednesday nights, what I was just going to look that up, but I sent my computer haywire. Wednesday nights is what for Alta and USTA? Bobby, you, you run a club. You got to know what's going on Wednesday night. What, what other leagues are going on there? Oh, give it a give it a season and Alta and USTA will come up with something. I think we're at Wednesday might be, I don't know if it's anything right now on Wednesday. I mean, we have men's senior on, on yeah, it's, all, it's a senior at night, but I think it's ladies are on Tuesday. And I think the guys might even play Friday or Thursday. I think Wednesday is an open night right now. So that might've been why she chose Wednesday, which would be good yes. on her part. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so Thursday night is women's seniors in the summertime. Um, and again, we don't uh, overlap with that season either. Um, but yeah, you know, definitely wanted to do a weeknight concept and that seemed to be open and the wind down Wednesday phrase was getting thrown around a lot. Just, you know, that's women's night out to drink some wine and hang with their friends. So why not do it at the tennis court? That's fantastic. And I know Bobby's got a thousand questions. He called me before <laughs> and he was like, what do, what do we know? What do we not know? Is this? Is this an actual league? I said, Bobby, I think it's an actual league. And that's that's why I've been using that phrase, a women's tennis league. Mm -hmm. because it isn't just, it's not just in introductory clinics. You, don't, you, you actually have a season, you have teams, you have travel, you have a schedule. Do you do all of that? Yes, I do. Yeah, so very similar to a USTA team or an Alta team where you would um, get enough girls to play together. In this case, you only need six each week to field the full lineup. Um, then you would set your home court location. You only need two courts. Um, and then you're placed in a division 
with teams at the same level nearby. So where I, the one thing that where I got confused, when you started it, did you start it tied in with a clinic? We're going to do so many weeks of getting you prepared or and then jump, you know, create the league? No, I mean, that's a great question because I do think that is the next product to launch um, because, you know, similar to, uh, you know, a lot of the conversations that you guys have already had on the podcast, but there's definitely this need of individuals who are curious about tennis. Maybe they've played before, haven't played for a while um, and just don't have anyone to play, play with, or they see all their friends playing, but their friends are, you know, at a higher level and they need their own core group to get, get playing with. So some sort of program that brings them together each week, not just individual lessons and then, okay, good luck finding the community to join, but um, takes them from zero to 60. And then once they learn the game or they feel comfortable playing matches again, you know, they can form a wind down Wednesday team smaller than some other leagues, um, teams requirements now. Um, and then they're kind of in the system at that point. So no, I would love to um, figure out who would be a good partner to, to do those types of clinics with. Um, but that is not one of the products now, I think, I think it needs to be though, because we, we get a lot of people signing up as free agents. Um, and sometimes we're able to place them on teams or form teams uh, with them uh, together. But, you know, right now, don't don't have a solid product for them if, if there's no one in their area looking for players. Um, so yeah, that's important. And that's how you grow the game. And when we spoke back in, you know, God, it's probably been about a month and a half ago already yeah. when we first started conversating. One thing that I found very interesting in just the perspective of small geographic area, where I'm on the north side, take it for granted that every neighborhood has courts. You said you guys had court availability issues. Inside the perimeter, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, I have this great group of young ladies in Brookhaven that were interested in picking up the sport. And it's just hard to get access to courts. Um, you know, the Sandy Springs Tennis Center has been uh, very gracious with courts, but it's, you know, it's kind of a non-conversation with the other public courts um, inside the, the perimeter. And, and that's tough because <laughs> you sure, see yeah. the demand and, and I understand, you know, everyone's running their own business and, um, you know, need to protect that customer base but eventually you got to have new blood coming in into those tennis centers um to keep every to keep the game growing well i agree with you what what would be the 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 i don't know why would a sandy springs not want you other than they just their, their capacity they don't yeah. Talk. yeah they got enough people taking privates with their coaches and you know that's um I mean, not looking at their numbers. I don't know if that's, you know, a greater margin for them or, but it's just a set program and process. And then anything new, you know, just like the pros in their tennis calendar, it's like, you got to carve out your window and your time and, um, you know, try to make your, your stake on the court before someone else takes it or it turns into a pickleball court. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, in their defense, having started in the, the city public, you know, tennis center i started at chastain the city also takes a decent chunk and so yeah. yes there are ways to increase your margin 
in a lesson more than just a rental court. So I get it because it is tough to to make a, any kind of profit in tennis is unfortunately labor intensive. You could sit there and say, we're given this many lessons, but you're paying that money out in, in a yeah. great majority of it. So it is tough on those guys. So I get it to a point. But like you said, I, I'm always looking for new blood. And again, we have a, a group of seniors at the subdivision I work at. It's a, it's a 10 court you know, facility and not very many of them are actual residents but you know they're playing at a time of day where they're not bothering anybody we love the blood you know and and we pick them up in our teams we charge a non-resident fee so it's a way for the neighborhood to make a little bit of money so that you know i'm, I'm a little puzzled that have you spoken to and this was I, i'm going to date myself again but the go-to was always the post apartments that a lot of the post and i don't even oh, know if they're, yeah, they yeah. Post apartments. i mean like i said i'm dating myself uh, but they were always, you know, they built with two tennis courts and lighted. Yeah. And they were interested in being able to provide that kind of thing for their, you know, their residents. I haven't. I mean, it's a great idea. I've done a flex league season out of courts at a post apartment before. Um, and it's certainly interesting, you know, the teams inside the perimeter that sign up, you know, kind of just by default go to all the tennis centers. And it's, you know, I always try to ask them, are you sure that no one has a residential court that you can set as your home court location? Because I, I bet you they're free. And that was really, as I was creating the league and coming up with the format, I mean, that's what I was seeing, right? In, in the 30022 zip code, where it's the most Alta teams, you know, allegedly, um, but if you drive around a lot of these swim and tennis uh, neighborhoods, their courts are, are still kind of empty because the neighborhoods have flipped over. They're not new anymore, as opposed to the neighborhoods now up north. Um, so people that have fallen off or moved out of the, the neighborhood and the tennis scene, you know, there's not, it really takes someone to, you know, say, okay, well, we're going to try this again and we're going to try to get all the new neighbors together to play tennis again on our courts. So, you know, the league was very much, how do we kind of spark um, the, the demand for these courts again? Cause they're open. Right. Um, so that's where you do the, the two court format as opposed to needing five courts to get five lines in on a Sunday afternoon. Is um, it a two out of three set match play or do you, do you do something to shorten it a little bit or is it yeah. regular? Yes. So, and then we do no ad scoring. Okay. Um, so I do receiver's choice. Next point wins the game, and then if it does go to a third third set, it's replaced by a ten point tie break. So it, it's been fun. It really keeps the matches moving. Um, you know, each match is probably about an hour and a half, um, which is a, is a good time. So you're there from six to nine. You know, hopefully at your neighborhood courts or courts nearby, and you know you had a, a nice girls' night out, but then you can go home at a reasonable hour. You weren't waiting around all day for courts. Um, yeah. And have you had any headwind from USTA, Alta? Again, we having spoken Alta, we know one of the big their things that they would love for somebody to take over is introducing new people into their system. You know, helping people, as you said, get introduced to the court. Then how do you take it enough another level? Find a team, and it would seem like you know you're you're a great starting place. And you're not trying to compete with them. So yeah. it yeah. would seem like that would be a good fit for Alta to, to you know, work with you guys. 
Sure. I'm certainly open to the conversation. Um, I haven't reached out to them and, and they haven't reached out to me. Um, you know, I know they're not for profit and, you know, very much trying to make this full-time gig. So it is for profit. Um, so I, I don't know if that would be a conflict there, but um, yeah, I think, I think what's great working in other industries, what I love most about tennis and working in tennis and you guys, your podcast and everything you're doing is kind of the epitome of this is there's so many opportunities to partner and work together because everyone's end goal is the same. Get people, get more people playing tennis and playing more often. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going a different direction. <laughs> but you know, other industries, like I was selling advertising on the internet, it's like, you're all fighting for the same traffic and the same position on the page. So like, you can't really partner with each other uh, versus tennis. It's like, there's enough to go around and we all should work together and, and figure out how to, um, you know, enhance and grow the sport that we all love. Well, but that's a great point. Right it's people, Bobby. I think we're bringing, what's that people. we're bringing in the right people. Yes. Either that, or they're doing a little bit of research and they're actually paying, listening to some previous podcasts. <laughs> saying, hey, it's a good thing to say. They're, they're coming in like, Hey, let's make tennis cool again. What do you think of that? Or, Hey, we should all partner. Why aren't we getting along? And I think, Maybe I don't know if we're changing the culture or in a way that people like, or maybe the culture doesn't have to go as far as we thought. Maybe there are more people out there that want to get along with everybody and realize it's not a zero-sum game and that we all can do what we do well and partner to get and do it all for the benefit of the sport. It's true, and it's unfortunate that we come out of the culture. But as, as you said, just not knowing even – the, the drawbacks to the guys who run the Sandy Springs, what they have to, everybody has something they have to overcome. Yeah. And, and that's the hard part because at the end of the day, everybody's bringing Shiata to the table and, you know, and it's hard to overlook what, you know, is yours worse than mine? You know, these are all, or can we find a way where we can all help each other out and, uh, you know, understand that, that, you know, this guy's got margins are going to be limited. But I found that fascinating that you, you guys, we take it for granted that there's so many courts up here that, oh, yeah. you, you know, we can go to another, what there's a subdivision. Across, uh, literally on my street, Windermere Parkway, I have, you know, our, a big Chattahoochee River Club, Windermere, James Creek, three chimneys, all within maybe three miles of each other, that there's 40 tennis courts within, and oh, I forgot Brandon Hall, which is, you know, another one, the 45, 50 tennis courts, within three miles of each other and tons of teams right yeah oh yeah because they're newer they're newer developments so everyone moved in new together and that was how they socialize is playing tennis and yes. you know they have folks like yourself running programs out of there that keep everyone engaged and it's sort of like a can't miss but the original boom of the suburbs in north atlanta that you know alpharetta roswell what I've experienced at least just personally is like our neighborhood doesn't have Alta teams anymore because, you know, people have aged out of the game. People are not no longer in the neighborhood. You know, there's no one that's like, you know, we're going to form another C team because there's all these new neighbors and that's how we'll get to know each other. So people start playing elsewhere, but they still have the amenities. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I was getting nervous that people would, you know, just the pickleballers would take over because it's, it's easier. Um, 
And I think, you know, you kind of need people to still use those tennis courts to make sure that they stick around because, you know, any new developments in town or anything with right sides living, they're like smaller. So they might throw in a pickleball court, but they're never going to throw in a tennis Tennis court court anymore. Well, two tennis courts in a bathroom on top of it. Yeah. So what is the demographic of your league? How, you know, the age range? Ladies, um, I would say late twenties, early thirties, and then all the way up to, you know, mid sixties. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we got, (laughs) we got some in the seventies that still ball, uh, (laughs) they are, uh, my heroes. Because I was going to throw you a generational question as well as with the the pickleball threat, which I don't look at as a threat. I think if if tennis was smart, you could use pickleball to your advantage. Uh, How is it, you know, the instant gratification? Because tennis is, as you said, more difficult. And it's easier to jump on a pickleball court and to get that going. I mean, I get that at my club all the time now. When are we going to start pickleball teams? And I'm like, you know, nobody's really interested. I want to see how the first season goes before we jump in. Because I, I think that, you know there's going to be some hiccups, obviously. So I, I'd rather wait till next year. But you know, do, do you see any of that? That this is just easier, guys. I'm going to go play pickleball. From our ladies, no, they mainly they're either not playing in other leagues and they're only playing wind down Wednesdays, so they're at the beginner or C level, um, and the other league formats just don't work with their schedule, um, or they're playing everything. It's it's not. Um, I don't see. A lot of people jumping over to pickleball um, with with our players. I think some, you know, probably dabble and do it socially and which is what's great about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely jealous of pickleball's barrier to entry compared to tennis, because I would love to be able to my friends or people that are just curious about tennis have a proper way for them to try it and enjoy it um, versus needing like this huge ramp up of lessons and coordination <laughs> um, which is hard to acquire at 30 you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but Hopefully again, happen already. yeah I mean tennis is just the backdrop what people are looking for is a community and a group of girls to get together every week to you know let their husbands take care of their kids and you know just go out and and you know have some girl time and not um worry about how are they going to fit in this new hobby with all their other kids activities or, you know, things like that. So. Well, commonality. Absolutely. And that, you know, that's one of our big themes. I mean, tennis is the commonality that we share, but there's a lot of other things that, you know, go on even from the social aspects. Like you said, I, I'm much older, but it doesn't mean I don't want to go out at night or, or see something new. And, you know, what, what is, what else? And I think that's a, a huge opportunity for the, tennis community that's really never been addressed. You know, how do we take 60,000 tennis players that we we all know they're tennis players, so they have one thing in common, and do something else. And even if you get 1% of those 60,000, it's a big number. You know, that's still a a pretty decent party. You know, why isn't more of that happen? So I agree with what you're saying. Correct. And it was important for me to keep a team aspect as opposed to, you know, the flex leagues out there. Um, or just going out and playing singles, um, because, you know, that's part of my story is how I picked up the game, you know, joining my mom's tennis team and really loved the multi-generations and, you know, hearing from 
other women, you know, just their wisdom <laughs> versus, you know, kind of just being thrown out there on a singles court just to play tennis. There's not really that camaraderie. So it was really important for me to keep, you know, the, the team aspect together for women, um, but figure out a faster, um, you know, more realistic way for people to, to get a group together. I mean, I always say, you know, I don't even know if I have 10 friends, let alone that 10 friends that play tennis and at my level to go out there and form a team and hope everyone's available each week. And you just, I was seeing a lot of people fall off because there's so many um, challenges with, you know, with making that format work. And, and I think it's been, you know, Alta's numbers reflect that. I mean, you know, you throw in an aging population, as you said, demographic changing as far as the building and the way you're being introduced. Then you throw a pandemic into the loop and you lost a lot of folks. And so yeah. now how are we going to- I helped them actually. It, you know, that's the big argument with tennis. Did it help tennis participation? Yes. Did it bring new people to the sport? Probably not. I mean, I always laughed at, we had, we used to do summer camps at my white columns when I was at white columns. And I never saw any of those kids after the summer camps were over because it was a babysitting service. You know, it was a right. half a day. So it was, they were there to accomplish one thing. Yes. The pandemic, you wanted to do something. Tennis was obviously a very safe place. Once the pandemic is over and the league start doesn't change the fact, the, the entry barriers. You know, and, and now that Walmart $90 rush bracket isn't really appropriate if you're going to try to improve. So, it, I, I, you know, it introduced, I don't know if we capitalized on the opportunity because of the entry barriers, as you said. Sure. And that kind of goes back to, you know, that new product that needs to be launched. It's like definitely saw more people taking drills. But was that like a one and done because they right. showed up with a drill, hit the ball around. They, there was nothing to foster that community. They weren't like, okay, you same people are coming back next week. And by the end of this four, eight week, whatever session that they paid for, you'll know how to play and you'll have a group of people to play with. It was more like show for drills and see you later. Uh, and, and they were, the attendance was great. Right. Um, which is awesome. But you know, it's any, like any hobby, if you don't have people to do it with or, you know, people to talk to about it, it's, it's easy to forget. If we only had a network of coaches, maybe a network of coaches and a calendar all in one place where the drills are and we could all get, if we only had that somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is great. And and the coaches, you know, they don't, I mean, the, it's supply and demand, right? So they already have their schedule full of privates and existing teams. And so how are they gonna you know allocate more bandwidth to well maybe this group will work out and you know be a long-term investment but it's it's just too tough you know especially during COVID when people you know were coming to the courts more often so again that goes but as you said all the little intricacies of the industry itself that you look at and say well well because most of our coaches are independent contractors they don't have a club. They don't have a salary. The only time they're making money is when they're on the court. So, yes, in a short term, everybody's looking up. When I interview somebody, how many hours do you get for me? And that's like you're, you're, you're not getting the job if that's one of your first three questions because you're not looking long term. You're looking, you know, how do you get past tomorrow? And, yes, there has to be a degree of that. 
But you, if you're going to do this as a career, you have to think a little bit more long term and you have to think about how do we build the program? How do we create that community? And I, you know, and I completely agree. I mean, I came in, I was fortunate to be like the person who started white columns. So for better or worse, they were stuck with what my ideas were in the culture to coming in, following somebody at Windermere. And it took a few years to, to change the culture. And I always laughed that when we started, I would always play music on the court. You know, when you come in, you're hearing seventies and eighties music. It's loud hair bands. You know what you're getting yourself into. And in the beginning, Oh, it's loud. I can't concentrate. And I was, as I said yesterday in the podcast, you know, Hey, you, if you want to play at the U S open, you got to use the planes over your head. A little bit of noise isn't going to bother you. Now, so many years later, everybody brings their own little speaker for their court. So you have 10 courts with 10 different types of music. So the culture is much more energetic. You know what you're getting into. And it's funny when we get people who come in from other places, you know, they used to complain now that, oh no, we love it. We love it. So, but it takes time. And like you said, if you're looking at the threat of losing money, you know, coaches pull the plug quick if they feel threatened because there is another one right next door, who's willing to undercut the price. And you know, and the other thing that we're trying to do is promote the idea of the certified coach, that there is a difference. That, you know, the guy who's who's got a ball hopper who says, you know, everybody back in the day we used to laugh was the number one player in Georgia. Well, how did Georgia have so many number one players if everybody was number one? So somebody was, excuse me, lying. But, you know, what are the differentiators for the pros and it's taken a while for the USPTA and the USPTR, the certification branches, to up their game. But now they do require background checks. They do make you take the, the class, you know, the, the Olympic harassment classes to make sure that you have an understanding. Uh, you know, they do make you take continuing education. So you're not teaching the continental grip forehand because you grew up in the 70s and that's what you know. So, you know, th that's the other part, too, is how we're going to change the game is show people that there is a difference. This is why you want to get involved. And, you know, hopefully it'll make it more easier to learn and, and it'll enhance everyone's experience. Yeah. And from, you know, a lady's perspective, yes, I don't want to learn in inaccurate forehand, but you're you're paying for entertainment. You know, yes. you're not you're not really there to, you know. <laughs> be on the fast track to go pro. So we ain't going to Wimbledon. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, like you can only buy something that's a product and available. And I think that's what's great about your guys's calendar is you're giving, you know, coaches the opportunity to products productize what they do. And this is how someone can find out about me and know it's legit and go in and you know book and plan um, for sessions that that I'm free. Uh, versus like, you know, oh, I know so-and-so and here's his number. It's, you know, a little bit um, less professional. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think the USCA holds a lot of power there and I know they have tried several programs and, you know, that tennis apprentice uh, program, I think is kind of the closest thing I've seen to it. And it's just a matter of, well, how do we, if it's a public court, how is that, um, mandatory, uh, because that's, that's important that everyone kind of takes that on and we start having standard programs, no matter where you are. So as a, as a tennis player, when someone asks you, how do I get into it? It's like, boom, that's how you get into it. Well, and hopefully at some point, everybody says, 
go to go to letsgotennis.com, find something, right? Because at some point, yeah, you look you look at USTA and they're going to have certain programs in certain places. Some of it's going to work, some of it's not. They don't pay well, so none of the coaches are jumping in, raising their hands, saying, "Ooh, ooh, ooh Meek, will you underpay me to teach tennis?" Mm-hmm. So we've got some limitations there, and from what I'm hearing, Bobby, again, it, it seems to be the theme, and. I don't know why I'm a little bit surprised today because this is why we got in, why we started having these conversations in the first place is that people are struggling to find teams. There are lots of courts in the suburbs that are unused and people are struggling to find drills and lessons and really somebody they can connect with or somebody that can coach them that is certified, that you know doesn't show up, that they're comfortable with, that maybe has already been vetted uh, and that they can not just a not just a a simple referral. In this case, it's it's a well vetted certified pro. Uh, so the question being, doesn't Alta have all these? They've had all these problems, and Alta's had thousands of years to figure it out, and they haven't. USTA has millions of dollars and thousands of years to figure it out, and they have it. Bobby, what makes us think that we've got this figured out? Well, I don't think that we, we know we have it figured out. It's the implementation part is the, uh, the challenge. Like I said, and I, I don't fault Alta because Alta, as frustrating as it is, tells you point blank, we are a league. That's what we do. We're, and we've not, you know, we hear you, but that's not what we do. Now, the governing body of the sport in the country, they might have some culpability, but again, they have to come concise with a business model and i i think they've been not really good at doing that and you know that's about the best way i can put it you got to decide who you want to be when you grow up and they have never been able to reconcile are we raising champions which at at our best we had you know let's go to the sampras chang we had four guys in the top 10 okay four out of how many millions of people live in this country do we want the the hundreds of millions playing tennis or we want to watch four. Well, watching four really didn't do a lot for the sport, so you would think we should change our focus a little bit. But or you know, and use the the Elon or I'm sorry, the, the Jordan Peterson theory of if we have enough people born, we will solve the global energy problem because one of those kids is bound to be a genius and he'll figure it out. Great, you know, they, that was you know, hey, well, that's a great idea. Okay, like that's, that that's something that nobody ever considered this. We have enough kids. One of them's bound to be bright. So, you know, we could we could hope for that in Atlanta with so much exposure to tennis for so long. Maybe somebody will figure it out. And again, it goes back even in this city. You think about it. All the pros paranoid. We don't want you walking on our court. Traffic is a bear in this city. Yeah, I might want to go to. I mean, we had passes to go yesterday to the Atlanta Open and meet Ryan Opelka. And I, I, I'm not going to Atlantic Station at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I live 35 miles away. I know as much as that was entertaining and a fun idea, I have a daughter I got to pick up. I can't do it. You know, so I, I think that, 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 you know, for the people who are going to do it, they're going to do it. And that's great. That's because re- they're going to talk to their, their base. And if they draw one or two, and again, I think that's where tennis pros need to, and the industry needs to wake up. You're not going to lose that much business. Hopefully you're going to create more business because there's more people playing, more energy. The idea of making tennis cool again, that I can go out and talk about it. 
and, you know, just find other, hey, I don't want to play an alto league. It takes too long. Oh, well, then go play Wine Wednesday. You're done. You're getting the same camaraderie. I mean, as I said, I was laugh about, you know, this is a bowling league in New York. Well, we bowled every day. There was a different league every night of the week in in New York at your local bowling alley. You know, we're just blessed with good weather down here. So it's tennis. Why are we so paranoid? And I, you know, I don't know. Again, I'd love for somebody to do the psychological aspect. It's a, it's an individual sport. Does that affect because the people that are in it have been in a, a cocoon for so long that it's hard to see big picture? I don't know. Obviously, that's where I, I plead the fifth and have no idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't come from tennis. I played volleyball through college. When I moved, Where'd you go to college? <laughs> Well, New York, I went to Marist College. And- I saw that. The Red Foxes. I've been the waiting to throw that in. <laughs> did they have pictures of the Duncan Dutchman all over they the place? They did. Rick Smith. Rick Smith. Ian Sean didn't believe anything I was saying. The Duncan <laughs> Dutchman, center for the Indiana Pacers, right. was, a, was a Red Fox. That's yes. right. We're very proud. Um, but, yeah, so when I moved back to Atlanta – you know, my mom would just invite me to go watch her tennis matches. And I was like, it seems like the least I can do since you've watched every match of mine <laughs> throughout <laughs> my whole life. Um, and then I realized it was, you know, a neighborhood block party. So I would go, drink their beer, hang out, you know, have a lot of fun. And eventually that's how I got into it. They invited me to join the team, started playing, caught the bug. Um, but You know, I think that experience playing all other sports and even now playing, you know, co-ed sand volleyball leagues, softball leagues, like seeing how those captains, I love my captains for for those leagues, but they really just tell us what time to be there. They show up, flip the coin, and now we're underway. Um, Seeing what effort it it takes to do tennis as a team in a league um, is, is wild. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, had I grown up playing tennis, I'd probably have, you know, quite a different uh, perspective, but not playing tennis and finding it later and kind of comparing it to my other experiences in adult sports. Um, that's that's a lot of the inspiration behind Wind Down Wednesday. Well, what we've learned to, to, to fortify what you're saying is a lot of play. First of all, we were I think we had Luke Jensen and we spoke with Luke. And he told us that 70% of Division I tennis players never play tennis again after they leave college. So that, number one, is a, is a really horrifying statistic in my mind, that it, they're so burned out that that's the last time they touch the rackets is 22, 23 years old. So that's horrifying. The, the other reassuring, when we ask the question, we'll ask you in a little bit about the king and queen of tennis a lot of the replies has been doing things in a team format, either on the professional recreational is that people, again, we want that camaraderie as adults. We, you know, what do you lose when you go to school? Commonality. We're all, we all stink in algebra. So we have that we're in the bunker mentality. I don't want to go to algebra. I hate history whatever it is. So we have a commonality. And as you get older, the commonalities become, unfortunately, just for adults, it's, just your children. Oh, you know, what, 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 where are you driving today? Oh, they got practice at this. They got practice. Well, you gotta have a life. You know, it's not, it's not fair for the kids. And it's certainly not fair for the parents that you got to continue to function and find something for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you're on the right track. (laughs) (laughs) 
So how many folks do you have playing and how do people find out, you know, what has been your most effective way of getting new people to, to find out about you? It's a great question. So we just closed our early bird registration where you get $5 off your dues. Um, but we already have 40 teams signed up for the next season. Um, so it's going to be our biggest yet. And uh, hopefully they continue to keep coming the rest of June. Our cutoff date is July 1st. Um, and like I said, the season will start July uh, 26th. But it's it's like anything, you know, no one really takes action unless their friend told them about it or sure, told sure. them to, and it's a trusted um, source. So I feel like I can scream on social media, blast out a lot of emails, um, but really, you know, how'd you find out about it? Oh, you know, my friend told me um, is, is the most common. Um, so yeah, we do all that, we, you know, on social, um, do a lot of uh, conversions on, in email, um, hop into the Atlanta tennis players Facebook group and, and other groups around town just to get the brand out there. Um, but yeah, it's usually someone will tell them or, you know, we're, we're so blessed to have such great captains. Um, you know, I, I try to get away from using the term captain because it's got such a negative connotation in <laughs> other leagues and call them my fearless leaders. But really, that's what it takes. It takes someone to say, we're going to do this. Come on, ladies. Um, you know, I got the courts and we're ready. Um, and they they do such a great job and they make it fun. They bring the speakers to play music. They take pride in their playlist. They want to share it with the opponents. Um, you know, they come up with fun things like theme nights to do, you know, amongst their teammates just to keep it light. And um, and so we try to reward them as much as possible and give them gifts and um, encourage them to, you know, keep coming back season after season. Um, and yeah, I mean, cause, cause we don't have teams without them and certainly don't have a league without teams, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the referrals that, that keep us going. Um, we offer a free season each time someone refers a new team. Uh, so that's an incentive. And what we'll notice that a lot of the new teams, they'll have a lot of people on their roster, you know, first season, um, just kind of, that's. The mentality again, like we need this many people because even though people are signing up to do something, they're not going to be committed to it. And then once they realize they don't need that many people, they'll break off into two teams or they'll recommend um, the league to their neighbors that play at a different level. Um, so we see a lot of a lot of that each season getting new teams. How is the drive time? Where 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 are you? You know where geographically. Is the heart of your program? How far do you go south? How far do you go north? How far east and west? So, you know, very much up 400. Um, our furthest teams north are incoming. Um, and then we, yeah, <laughs> she's got you surrounded, Bobby. So you got <laughs> well, I mean, I think my ladies would love this. And and yeah. again, yeah. They're, they're playing it at a time. I mean, they, our ladies are at a point where they're doing flex league amongst themselves. I mean, I know there's a flex league across the street. I know that a guy at Atlanta, uh, what Atlanta, not, you know, one of the Atlantas, I don't know, has developed his own software for it. So there is a need. I mean, and it's not impeding on Alta. It's just a little smaller, a little more quaint, a little more fun. Yes. Because it's a little more, you know, smaller, more intimate. You can do crazy things. I mean, my daughter just told me, I'm thinking about it. You know, Taylor Swift's concert tour is called Eras, and all the girls are literally dressing 
as Taylor Swift at the various points for the different albums they were representing. And my daughter said, oh, well, somebody came up with something nobody knew. They dressed up like her character in the Lorax. That, you know, she was one of the, the main characters. Like, oh, that's a great idea. So, I mean, you could literally have somebody dressed up as Martina, Hingis, or Navratilova, Chris Everett, Bjorn Borg. I mean, it would be a blast. Yeah, yeah, they'll do like 80s years. night or animal yeah. print night. I mean, let's face it, like, that's also why I got into tennis is the clothes. <laughs> and, and that's what girls want to do for a girls' night out, just have an excuse to get dressed up and go do something. Um, but, uh, but, so you yeah. think if somebody far- drove... Do you think if somebody drove a truck to your facility where you were playing with clothes in it, the girls would, you know, be excited about that? Would that make them feel like, wow, this is something different? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, like we'll bring wine, like surprise people with wine, send them pizzas, you know, just things to keep everyone engaged. We do a cocktail contest every season. um, So we we get sponsors for that. And basically, it's just a, a way for people to take a team photo and show off their team on social media. Um, you know, so we, so we do that and, and it's been a blast. I mean, I'm amazed at how creative people can be, whether it's their team name or their cocktail or anything. Um, and it's just great to have a backdrop for them to, to funnel that too. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, as far South as uh, I guess the Buckhead area, um, so that's north and south, east and west. We we go over to like Smyrna Vinings, Woodstock. Um, just had a team sign up for Buford. So, you know, got to grow in that area as well. Um, need to get over into the De- Decatur area. If the cab can get a, some courts, but um, yeah. That's a tough spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like you guys were saying, drive time as we survey each season is the number one thing people want to be mm-hmm. close you know it's drive time then close matches in terms of competitiveness um and then new opponents you know it's not it's not the other way around <laughs> which i feel like sometimes uh we get focused on um so that's the challenge is, is getting enough people in their pockets at their level to give them you know a proper division where they're not driving super far um but that's any league's challenge. So have you ever thought, cause this is, this was again, very aged idea, but when we were thinking about dipping our toe in years and years ago, having just designating going to four facilities and this way say, look, I need Wednesdays. I'm going to bring you six courts. And this, you know, when you sign up that you can pick from these facilities and this is your home site. Yeah. I would love, love that option. I mean, I guess this is the USTA's poll uh, when Red Hair and now Stillfire Brewing um, League launched. They like overtook all the public tennis facilities, which is awesome because I know I could fill them if I was given Mm. the courts. Um, So, yeah, it it, that would be great. (laughs) Um, But right now it's it's definitely trying to revitalize some of the existing uh, swim tennis courts that that are around because uh, the the public courts just are are tough right now um and i think you know covid the boom with covid and just people booking it and playing in different flex leagues and things like that obviously um they you know didn't have as much available anymore um, but also just trying to figure out like who's running the show at each beyond the city 
yes, um, yes. and convincing them to have your back. So I'm, I'm very, you know, grateful to Sandy Springs and the folks I know over there for, for helping me out. Um, but yeah, if they want to give us more courts, we'll, we'll fill them. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right, Sean, you, you got the big question. I bet you she's got an answer for us too. I'm curious of this one. We, we get a chance to ask everybody if you were king or queen of tennis. And we've had more queens recently, I think, Bobby. But uh, if you were queen of tennis, uh, is there anything you would do, whether it's a day, a year, however long it would take? You get to answer however you'd like. If it's just in Atlanta or for the whole world, professional, amateur, however you want to look at it. But if you were queen of tennis, is there anything you would do or change? Yes, I think we touched on it early, but offering that product for someone who's curious about tennis or wants to get back into it after taking um, time off where they can go to a public facility, sign up for a session with other people and go from zero to 60. Now they know how to play. They can play on their own. And there's a community of people that they can play with. And if that was required at just in Atlanta, at Bitsy, Chastain, DeKalb, Sandy Springs, you know, all these different um Blackburn, all these different public tennis centers um, where it's not just, you know, beginner drills and, and no sort of community building. Um, I think that would be awesome. And then from there, you would form, you know, doubles pairings that could then play a flex league, you know, girl groups of women's that could then go play Wind Down Wednesday, you know, a bunch of mixed um, teams, you know, things like that, that would just continue to pep perpetuate what we have in Atlanta. And I think it would be applicable around the country as well. I mean, I think that's what that's what you get when you join a country club, right? You get that kind of programming um, or when someone's running the, the tennis facilities in your neighborhood. And that's kind of what um, needs to be available at, at the public courts. Um, so that would be number one for me. And, you know, obviously I'm selfish because I want more teams coming out of that. Um, but then I also am very jealous of other sports that can have that low barrier to entry, like we were talking about, um, that just gets people thinking about the sport, even if they're not ready to, to commit and try to play it yet. So like the bowling alleys, the top golfs, the pickle and chicken, like we're going to go out to a bar and like, oh, I didn't notice that there was a beach volleyball court at this bar. Now I'm thinking about beach volleyball. Um, tennis needs that. And it's hard because it requires a lot more coordination. And I don't know what the model would be, but it would be awesome if if someone could figure it out. Um, I guess the closest they got was like we tennis when people were <laughs> playing that all the time in their own homes. But uh but there's so much now, like, you know, with simulators and, and things of that nature that, you know, again, people are just night out, whether they're throwing axes or <laughs> something while they're drinking beer and, and having a good time. And that sport um, kind of gets, gets mentioned during those times. So, yeah, that would be cool. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate.com for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to atlantatennispodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, deals on equipment, apparel, and more. And you should feel good knowing that shopping at letsgotennis.com helps support this show. You can also donate directly using links in the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.